0: It's time to stop reimagining things and actually start changing them. Tune in to Recalibrate with Samsung, where we'll discuss how technology is changing the way we work, connect, and live our lives. On this episode of Recalibrate, we're joined by Ashish Jain, CEO and co-founder at Kairos, and Kat Robinson of Samsung Networks, to break down the impact that 5G is already having in agricultural communities. The two of them will explain why, to meet the impending demand of feeding an ever-growing world, farmers will continue to have to rely on smart systems, connected devices, and 5G innovations. Now, here's your host, Jason Claybrook. Hey, what's up? Hey, Jason. Hey, Jason. Ashish Jain
1: from Kairos fame and Kat Robinson. Hook'em. 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 Recalibrate episode, I'm not sure, 15 or so, 0015, 00015, might be 14. We're going to talk smart ag today because we need food.
2: We really do need food.
1: We need food. We're in agreement on food, right? Can I yep.
2: throw out a quick stat? It's going to be my one stat of the podcast. Sure. Let me see if I remember it.
1: Is this a Mimu stat?
2: That's no, no. a Me Mimu stat. Okay, so by 2050, the world population is going to increase to like 9.6 billion That's so a lot of people. So, to feed all those people, we have to increase food production by 70% using the same amount of land that we have today. Is that right? Yes.
1: There's a lot of undeveloped land, though. Uh, what if we figured out how I to grow a, food in this in sub-Saharan?
2: I think it's about like the land is being degraded. There's a lot of stuff going on with climate ruining land, and that is according to the United Nations Food and Agriculture Organization.
1: Hydroponic. Well if we can yeah. if you I'm growing I'm well, growing mint at home. There
2: is a, a whole movement around like vertical farming sure. within cities. But well, I think movement. we'll be
1: on Mars by then.
2: That'd be cool. Yeah.
1: And we learned from Matt Damon that you can in fact grow potatoes yeah. on Mars. I mean, and you can become a pirate.
2: So there you go. Well, let's hope for that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we'll solve world hunger. <laughs> <laughs> on Mars. Yeah. So all right, smart ag. So the fun thing about Smart Ag is, um, Kat, you were on a previous podcast and introduced as our summer intern mm-hmm. in, our, in our marketing and business development strategy team at Samsung Networks. And early on in the internship, I kind of said to you, what do you want to work on? What would be really interesting to you to see where 5G had some use cases, but make it something that you're passionate about? make it something that you're interested in so that we don't have to go and cover the same things as God Almighty we talk so much about remote surgery and autonomous vehicles, even the millennials. The millennial podcast we talked about autonomous vehicles, which it's cool. It's very much needed, but let's talk something about something different. So food. Yes. And agriculture mm-hmm. and livestock. And you started talking about Mimu. What's Mimu?
2: Okay, so She's jump in here when you want. <laughs> so basically, what I've come across in terms of who in this space is doing things with 5G and smart agriculture, there's a pretty cool project in Scotland, I believe, called 5G Rural First. Um, okay. I struggle with the word rural sometimes. I'm <laughs> just going to work through it. So one of the things that they're doing... Um, is this adorable little project called me and Moo, uh, and it is on one of the farms in a remote area of Scotland. They're testing 5G connectivity as it pertains to their cows there. I see I think they have maybe two thousand connected wearing these connected collars and also these little biometric uh, health monitoring ear tags. Um, And a couple of the things are for, a couple of the components of that are for tracking the cows um, to make it a lot easier for the farmers to be able to check in on them instead of walking great distances or to areas they'd never be able to reach if these little guys are wandering all over the place. Um, Advancements
1: in being a shepherd.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Um, Monitoring their health proactively so they can quickly see if anything is wrong. Um, and there's also a kind of almost fully autonomous milking system where the cows can basically through these connected collars, let themselves into a gate and then they get hooked up to these machines to milk them. Um, when I guess the time is right, I'm not sure.
1: so what do you call what do you call a cow that doesn't produce milk? Oh. <laughs> Anyone? A milk dud.
2: A milk dud. <laughs> um, what am I missing on that? Kid jokes. No, I, think, <laughs> I like
3: that. I think you covered it all, right? So if, if you look at, it goes back to the point about how do you create, bring technology in creating efficiencies. And if you look at in any agriculture environment, I mean all these livestock or you know cows in particular, uh, there's, there's if there is any disease that happens, it's very hard to point out where that started, mm-hmm. right? And I think what this is trying to do is not just monitor them where they are from an asset tracking perspective, but also to your point, health monitoring. And I've also even read someone has even gone further in saying, putting something in, in their tummies, which is have them ingest something which will further track them when they're ovulating and where's the right time to produce, right? So the, the technology is taking this thing to an extreme level, where the efficient—they're trying to find efficiencies in tracking the health, in tracking where they are, in automating things that you just mentioned, and and
1: even reproduction, and avoid mad cow disease. Yeah. Nip it in the butt when the first cow shows signs, whatever it is, and, cows and, frothing at the mouth. I don't know, but and,
3: and and taking it to the further right. Once you determine what you do with it, right? So you find you. And then the efficiencies start coming in. How do you uh, bring in the the video conferencing aspect? Can you quickly provide the care that you need to provide to that particular um, animal, cow, or whoever, right? Um, Immediately, so it doesn't spread to that point. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Veterinarians without borders?
2: Yep. And I think they've also sort of gamified it in a way to engage the public so they have
1: I you gonna say the cow the, i don't know if
2: communication like this is v
1: to, the right word v v. Oh, no, we, C C. we
3: never know
2: yeah uh so they have a mobile app where you can kind of uh choose a cow and check in on him and watch his whereabouts and i haven't been able to download it successfully but apparently it's a way to engage with the community to also show them what's going on what they're doing with these 5G trials in their backyard. Well,
3: that that thing is probably getting real because, to your point, right, a lot of people want to track where their food is coming from. Mm -hmm. No, I know
1: that's coming from a sustainable agriculture, sustainable Mm -hmm. livestock, and it's not just being mass-produced and that cows have a place to roam around and and actually eat grass instead of eating things that are unnatural to their digestion.
3: So there's a whole concept of sharing a cow right? So...
1: I've done that, yeah.
3: You're right, in terms of, you know, getting whole milk uh, directly from a cow instead of going to a grocery store and buying it. And there you basically have this collaborative aspect of, you know, you're sharing a cow, and there you definitely want to know whether or not the milk you're getting from, right, that's coming from a healthy
1: cow. Yeah, Yeah. I bought a uh, half a cow from Mesquite Field Farms outside of San Antonio, the the guy that, it's a old army buddy that owns the ranch that, uh, he's got this really fancy, stripped all the, uh, artificial grass off the land It took years to get the natural grass growing back. But he rotates paddocks with cows and chickens and built a freshwater mussels and it's all the biodiversity is great on his, I think 60 acres, but he's producing the best cows and they're very humanely treated. So being able to watch somebody like Doug's cows would be appealing to some. I I just trust Doug because I know who he is and why he's doing it. But um, there's a lot there's a lot of benefits that actually going to his farm. He they use it for um, PTSD. So soldiers. What is,
3: what is PTSD?
1: Post traumatic stress disorder. Oh, so uh, using livestock to as a treatment tool for soldiers that are returning back from. Afghanistan, Iraq, and being able to have them work with cattle and it's therapeutic. But uh, again, they're all humanely treated. But uh, that's not a 5G thing. So, getting back on topic, Me um, Moo, Me Plus Moo,
2: Me Plus Me Plus Yeah. So you could but download
1: that, might... that app right now and remotely adopt a cow to no, I'm check sure. in. not sure MePlusmoo is an app though.
3: So it's no, an... they do
2: have the they do have the mobile app. Okay. But I can fi- I couldn't find probably... it. I can find all these photos of it and like it exists. So it seems like it exists, but I was unable to locate it wonder, here in the US. <laughs> Maybe it's
1: they don't brush their cattle as often. They're over there. They're uh they have long hair cattle.
2: Oh, the um you're thinking of the those very cool ones in Scotland. Yeah. The Highland cows. The Highland
1: cows. Is it up, is it in no. the Highlands where all the great whiskeys from?
2: I don't think so. I don't know. No. I don't know the exact location.
1: But if you it's a great idea because if you're the rancher and you have crowdsourced looking after your cattle through a five G network and you're in the Highlands, then you have more time for si- sipping Scotch whiskey.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's brilliant. It's automation. Yeah,
3: automation.
2: You can have a whole side business going
1: on. Well actually talking <laughs> coming
3: back to the point of automation, right? Not just not just cows, right? There is this whole initiative going on is the uh, complete hectare, right, in terms of, you know, completely automating the crop uh, yield right from, you know, everything, soup to nuts. There's yeah. not a human being involved. Without
1: all the pesticides. Without all
3: the pesticides. So that is, a, that is a big experiment that is going on. They've already produced, I think this is the third year,
2: Yeah.
3: right, mm-hmm. producing.
1: We're going to turn this into a healthcare podcast before long. Well
2: yeah, i think that was also part of the uh 5g rural first called yeah, like exactly. hands-free yeah. hectare and they successfully planted harvested all of the above yeah um maybe an acre or two an or acre i think
3: they're going with 35 acres now
2: yeah without like human hands being involved in any way
1: so that's um so they had it's a, a th- good lead-in for something that you sent me in part of your research iot and sensors
2: the yes. me plus moves. So Yeah, I think the hands-free hectare involved a couple of different components. So it was autonomous tractors being controlled by drones, and there were there was an IoT sensors component.
1: Which yeah, is there's a lot of
2: experimentation,
1: yeah, for sure. I want to point out something that you sent. Sure. Um, the global agriculture IoT market is valued at $16.5 billion in 2017, with a CAGR of 14.7% from 2018 last year through 2025. So we're looking at an IOT sensor market of just under $50 million over the next few years. It's a lot of sensors. Is that, uh, did you find, is that NB IOT, is it Laura? Combination. So, Did I stump the research?
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, um, that's definitely true. The, that's the area that I kind of gravitated to the the most toward because it's the area that's growing the most rapidly. And it seems like it's the part of precision agriculture, which is – I've come across the term smart ag, precision ag, um, mm-hmm. kind of used interchangeably. So it was a little challenging to parcel those out. Is there a difference? Out. Um, I think smart agriculture is all encompassing, um, and is used as sort of a bucket term and then precision agriculture, uh, denotes anything that really allows you to essentially be more precise, um, whether it's in the amount of fertilizer that you're using on something, the timing around crops, um, one of the things that I kept that was kind of enlightening to me is the ag industry is very much like manufacturing, and big data is huge for them. It's incredibly important to everything that they do. Yeah, um, you said a
1: million data points off of a standard farm mm-hmm. daily.
2: Yeah. A million
1: yeah. data points. That's a lot of numbers, Crunch. Yep. So back to previous discussions, it's not 5G in isolation, it's not AI. It's not analytics and isolation. It's all these things working in concert together mm-hmm. to get to your precision or smart agriculture, right? Manufacturing.
2: Yeah, and I think um, when I would defer to you to the experts on NBIoT and the specific network technology. But what I have read is they are kind of used in tandem. And I've come across a couple different articles that are saying while that is maybe the norm right now, um, when it comes to truly bringing in all these different components to have a truly connected farm so beyond just the sensors when you're talking large scale vast areas of land mm-hmm. and the connectivity that you need and then the latency and bandwidth requirements for things like drones and autonomous vehicles that's where 5G will really shine
1: yeah i, well, I don't think mbiot necessarily needs all the characteristics you're going to find in a 5G network. I think uh, that's one of those things where LTE could be quite sufficient because in 5G you're looking at trying to connect a million devices in a square kilometer. Farms and, and ranches are much bigger and they're going to be a little bit more spread out and you don't need that continuous constant bandwidth. They're small devices that need a really long battery life, but they're going to be transmitting Two, three, maybe a dozen times a day, in certain respects, but they're not going to be transmitting a ton of data all the time. So, you know, one of the things that naturally comes up is, 5 oh, G is going to replace four G, and this may be a case where it's a, more of a combination. So, I think the it's whenever I hear that one technology
3: is going to replace another, it's, one to roll them all. It's it's Everything's it takes Lord of the Rings. It's it's takes years right and and I think one of the idea one of the things we all have to understand is 5g is the combination of technologies and it will leverage the best technology that is suitable to, to the job right so whether it's you know 5g is maybe using some aspects of NB as part of that sure. um, now as part of this whole smart agriculture or precision farming aspects right there's so many different components that needs to get automated and there are so many different aspects of applications that can be brought in which have never been used before right so when we talk about these low power sensors there is a function of that in terms of monitoring you know soil quality or whether or not you pH know levels yeah. pH levels of water and things like that which are like you know small data points that you can easily transmit over any network and lora and other things are well suited suited for that mm-hmm. but once you start automating the entire hands free you know hectare or hands free mile of crop Did beans, you say hectare no. <laughs> no um in terms of that when you start looking at The precision farming does not come without having something automated to look at the crops and making a decision right there without a human eye that this is, this needs attention or this is good to go. And That's where you start having video analytics, right? Your drones that are flying over are actually transmitting that video data Mm -hmm. over some centralized, you know, will edge compute system where it's determining what to do with it, right? Uh, Absolutely. So that's where the 5G starts to ro- start to play a role in in connecting machine to machine, connecting uh, the tractors that are on 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 the field, um, how different equipments that are working in in concert together to do the different job or communicating. That's where you know 5G technology starts to become yeah. more relevant.
1: No, it's AI, it's IoT, it's a smart supply chain. Get into, excuse me, possibly blockchain as part of that ecosystem, all sitting on top of that connectivity.
2: So this question might be for myself and the listeners, um, but one of the things that came up was the concept of network slicing and how that would be extremely beneficial on a smart farm when you start bringing in all these different type of applications that are each have different requirements.
3: It's an interesting concept. Uh, what you're talking about is an, is kind of a, a, I would say second or third stage of taking that slice into specific functions within a farm. To begin with, someone has to figure out how to use slice a network for a particular farm or a particular neighborhood mm-hmm. uh, to to serve that neighborhood. But I think. Um, I would I would take it in a different different perspective to give a different perspective to it. If you look at what is happening in the farms, right? Farms are the end users of the technology. They're not the ones who are actually going to implement the technology. Um, the businesses who are actually going to going to bring technology in the farm are the equipment suppliers that are used to do the job. Mm-hmm whether it's a tractor company, whether it's a sewing company, whether it's someone who's selling drones which are customized to do jobs within. And whatever technology is going to be there, whether it's they're using Wi-Fi, LoRa, or 5G, that has to be embedded in it. So over the period of time, we'll start to see that John Deere is no longer just selling tractors, but actually providing a complete cloud- Professional
1: technology. services. Professional
3: services for the farmers. And that professional services are actually tied to the carriers network who have sliced that- particular network to serve John Deere's customers
1: yeah I, I think it's likely it's not going to be the specific farm application it's going to be the professional service or managed service that'll manage the slice and apply whatever quality of experience need is needed for those applications when you start looking at how much data you're pulling i i'd have I would actually struggle to see that. I would need a specific slice for autonomous combines versus pulling data off of a sensor that is not necessarily time-bound. Because I can always prioritize the traffic for the autonomous farming equipment. And the sensors could be best effort. Yeah. And they don't really need a slice. So
2: Yeah, that makes sense.
1: I think we kind of across the industry, we've been introduced to this concept of network slicing and there's a lot of great ideas that come around it. Some of them are practical, some of them are it's a nice idea, but it's not really necessary with the amount of bandwidth that you're going to have and with the amount of connections per square kilometer or even the latency characteristics. I think slicing will be it's certainly going to be important. It's going to open up a lot of unique app applications and bolster a lot of other applications that exist today, in media especially, or in things like smart cities and closed caption TV.
3: I think it's a great point. A lot of time, it's also about um, what part of the land you need to put that water, right, and the fertilizers. Not Right now, what is happening is basically a blanket yeah. right at the mm-hmm. time and every there's 5 p.m. or whatever ex- six, morning 6 a.m. there's an automation going on that automation is basically does not have the intelligence to know whether or not this piece of land really needs water or how
1: much water. Well, we even see that in our neighborhoods. How many times have you been driving down the road yeah. when it's raining and somebody's sprinkler system it on? It's on. Mm-hmm. You
3: know,
1: so when you start looking at water as a natural resource and be able to preserve that and have water kind of moves around the planet, right? We're always in an equilibrium with how much water we have, but it shifts its location. So if we have water being wasted, whether it's in agriculture or in in a suburban area, water so that your front yard looks great, we certainly don't need those sprinklers, whether they're ag sprinklers or in-ground sprinklers on a timer going off when it's raining. It wasn't too long ago that California was having a pretty pretty big water crisis, right?
2: Yeah. And the ag industry is the largest kind of consumer user of water. So it's kind of like a vicious cycle. They like need it. Same with... um,
1: But it's also an expense. Mm -hmm. Yep. So if you can drive down costs on the farm and you can be more accurate, does that translate to our table?
3: Well, eventually, I hope. (laughs) Eventually.
1: Eventually, or you know, the investments required to deliver precision agriculture requires to pay another nickel on our mangoes.
3: The quality of the food, also, right? Uh, And that
1: impacts your health as well, right? You don't want
3: to
1: try not to eat junk.
3: Yeah, you you mentioned crop yield, right? I think. I'm not an agriculture expert, but I know one thing: it's water and soil combination actually makes what what how your
1: food will be produced and sunlight and sunlight, <laughs> yeah. And it's important for wine as well.
2: Oh yeah, mm-hmm.
1: that was a segue.
2: Yes, segue. I believe that, um,
1: and there have been it? applications. There have been first applications. office applications or. Um,
2: for kind of trials around 5G and um, irrigation and water usage to perfect the quality of grapes on vineyards. So the farmers on a certain Mm -hmm. vineyard, I want to say in California, um, have been testing 5G trials with, I believe it's IoT and sensors in the ground to be able to kind of automate and be more precise about irrigation and water usage and in turn perfect these grapes that they're pr- producing and really improve the quality through this precision. Which is pretty cool.
1: Oh, if you like wine. Yes, I yes. like wine.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, And uh, I did learn in a trip to Bordeaux a few years ago how important soil composition, sunlight, and water matter in the climates and the temperatures. So...
3: Absolutely. Hopefully,
1: they put in some sensors there for some early alerts when there's wildfires, so that we don't lose all our grapes and all our wine.
3: That's true. Another another related topic. It may not be you know about crop yield, but it's about you know surveillance. One thing which is very important because these are rural lands and mm. very hard to monitor, right? And having a remote video surveillance installed. And having it connected via five G untethered, right? Um, that you don't have to, you know, put wires into these remote surveillance systems. Having untethered remote surveillance systems video connected throughout the farm is a is a great application of how it can actually save a lot of time.
1: Potentially for- save lives too. Lives mm-hmm. too. Now, and so think of chicken coops. What commonly happens in a chicken coop whenever you? raise the chicken up and go to grab some eggs. What do you sometimes get surprised to find? Okay. Snakes. Oh. Don't want to reach in and grab a snake by accident. They, they could be quite painful. Detrimental to your health. It's a good way to end it. Maybe not a good way to end it, but... <laughs> let's, um, end on, let's end on a high note. It's a high note. Well, uh, go back to wine. Where we, we covered whiskey in the highlands in... Cows. Well, I, I
3: think I, I would say smart agriculture is a great industry where the service provider should be looking at. Hmm. There's a lot of money to be made there. I mean, if I tie it back to you know, everyone win win situation for everyone. I mean, of course, the, the farmers get to benefit from the efficiencies they will gain. The carriers have a great opportunity to play in, and I think there's a the fundamental shift that needs to happen in the thinking of how to serve the smart agriculture. It has to go through the vendors who are serving the smart agriculture. And that is an area where most of the business aspect of 5G is either missing or not being completely understood is the channel to serve these specific verticals and not the direct enterprises who are the consumers Mm -hmm. in that vertical, but the vendors who provide technologies or the supplies in that vertical. What happens is they are going through their own roadmaps of deciding what the next technology built in in their product. If the carriers are not in their roadmap right now, making sure the 5G modules, the 5G modems are in those tractors and drones and other places, they will miss another decade of cycle. Well, how the technology will actually make in into smart agriculture for that matter any vertical
1: yeah, yeah, I think that we're seeing that they're pretty aware that they've got to account for account for that, and they've got to understand it. I mean the, the alarm bells have been rang for how many people are coming, how many people are going to be here by twenty fifty, and at the same time we've experienced mass we've had an explosion of population and we've mass produced food. All the way going back to like World War One, World War Two, where the a, a form of automation came in, and we started mass producing food. But the technology we had was limited, and we had to do things to pres- preserve shelf life. And I think one of the things when you get into precision ag- agriculture and you actually see what's going on with the soil composition, and you see what's going on, then we can get away from some of these other practices that have been built in less several decades so not only are we producing more food producing it quicker but producing food that's healthier for all of us to consume and has a better shelf life and we're able to identify when there's something that you know a mad cow disease or figure out why this bushel or i don't know if bushels the right term but let's say a truckload of lettuce something went wrong with Ten, ten heads of lettuce, but all of a sudden we have a massive recall and there's a ton of waste that goes on because we're not exactly sure in the supply chain. Was it here? Was it here? Here? Oh, crap. We've just got we to kill $25 million worth of lettuce. And we can't have lettuce or avocados for, until the next crop yield, right? We're getting better at that and the technology is certainly providing a lot of value and we'll eat healthier and better. And eventually have more time to sip whiskey in the Highlands, drink better wine. This is a win.
2: Heck yeah!
1: I think that better food at the table.
2: Let's do it. Better
1: wine, whiskey, and cows feel loved. Cows feel loved.
2: Companies oh, look good
1: doing. And everyone makes money. Yeah! Oh my time. God! This. <laughs> why didn't I think of this before? This is fantastic. We all like food. Better burgers, and better booze. That's it. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for your work on this, cat. Thanks, Ashish. Thanks, Thanks, Jason. Great topic. Adios.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Recalibrate. For previous and upcoming episodes or for more of our content, you can head to samsung-networks.com or you can find our podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify.